0: Is cancel culture ever actually successful in cancelling?
1: Welcome back to Watch Time. We are here for another week. Your weekly download on everything happening on the internet, pop culture stuff. That sounds like an old term now, don't you think? Pop culture. Like I sound like a boomer. I'm not saying that anymore. I feel like you're a boomer
0: in a marketing agency. We need to engage in the pop culture.
1: Yeah. Okay, we're not yeah. doing pop culture. We're just talking about what's on your Twitter feed, basically.
0: Yeah. I feel like we have two episodes. We either have episodes where we go like really, really deep on like yeah. one, maybe two topics, or there's just weeks where a whole bunch of little stuff happened that's really funny. And I think that's exactly what this week's going to be. There's a lot of stuff to talk about.
1: We're talking about the fight. We're talking about Phase K and the update there. Oh, we're talking that's so about funny. Dobrik, of course. What would a Watch Time episode be without Dobrik? And we're talking about a few other things.
0: Uh, do we want to start with Phase K? Because I think that's the funniest.
1: I think that's I think that's the funniest. So to quickly too.
0: recap for anyone who missed last week's episode, long story short, uh, there was a very large pump and dump scheme that was exposed. Now, if you Cold, don't know what a pump and kids. now if you don't know what a pump and dump scheme is, effectively, it's where someone pumps a investment product, in this case, cryptocurrency, by encouraging people to buy it, uh, saying this is going to be amazing, this is the next big thing. All their fans buy into it, and then as soon as their fans buy. Into it, pushing the price up. Whoever was the person that pushed it sells all of the asset that they were holding to make a whole bunch of money. Now, uh, basically, someone exposed uh, Phase K as like the main person and a bunch of other people for pump and dumping a cryptocurrency called Save the Kids, um, and effectively promoting it to their fans and then immediately selling it on day one. Not, and it was
1: so compelling.
0: And it was it was well, it's like it's it's a slam dunk. Effectively, all you need to know, and and it's the facts are objective at this stage which is phase k owned a bunch of the coin advertised the coin and then yeah. within 5 minutes of the coin actually going public and launching when the price goes up he sold the coin so and when
1: we did the podcast episode last week we said k hadn't spoken on the fact yet And we were like, "How is he going to come back from this? Is he going to like plead forgiveness? Is he going to claim that it's not true?" We were like, "How is he possibly going to do that anyway?" He released the video a couple days ago, and basically, he didn't do that. He
0: didn't do either. I found I found the video so funny because he was pleading, like like fully being like, "I'm I'm also a victim here." He's like, "Guys." I lost money on the coin too. We all got scammed. And I'm like, and I'm, and he's like, there was, there's this other guy who's like the big ringleader behind it and he screwed us all over. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, here's what it really comes down to. The, the thing that he refers to is the, they basically changed the coding of the coin, allowing people to sell vast quantities of the coin as soon as it dropped. Mm-hmm. Phase K took advantage of that exploit, uh, which he's claiming the, the other guy who was the scammer put into effect. He, he, took advantage of that to sell all his coin as well. Now, he's coming out now and saying, I lost money too, therefore, I'm not in the wrong.
1: We're all in this together. Just because you're
0: a shit scammer doesn't mean you're not a scammer. You don't have to make money on your scam for you to be a scammer. You can attempt to scam people. You can do dodgy stuff, and just because you fail at it spectacularly doesn't mean that you didn't do it. Yeah. If I go and I point a gun at someone and try to kill them with a full intent of shooting them and I miss... it's I'm like, guys, 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 I get it. You're angry because I tried to shoot at you, but like I missed. So like it doesn't matter. Yeah. That is literally what he's doing. He's not denying <laughs> any- it.
1: It's not even like that. It's like if you tried to shoot at someone, but the bullet somehow ricocheted and you got hit. Yeah. You're like, guys. I'm the victim. <laughs> I am hurt. <laughs> like, because literally- I am bleeding. There is not a <laughs>
0: single part of And he's, he's also being like, I can't talk about it, which is what everyone always says. Ugh. But he's like, um, but there's not a single part of the allegations around him getting into the coin early, advertising it to his fans, and then immediately selling. Or the fact that it was proven he has a track record of doing this with like 50 other coins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not referring to that. He's just like, guys, I lost money too, so therefore I'm the victim. It's like, no, 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 no. You fully were you had the goal of screwing over your fans, yeah, like, but you just sucked at it,
1: <laughs> it was like a three minute video, honestly. I I watched it before we recorded this episode. I said to Elliot, I was like, "Oh crap, I haven't watched the K video yet." And Elliot was like, "Honestly, like, there's nothing to watch." And I was like, "I can't go into the podcast not having watched this." And he was like, "Literally, it's like nothing." And I watched it, and I was like, "Honestly, that was three minutes of my life. I'm never yeah, gonna get back." And it, it was, was literally awful. just like, "I'm not confirming anything. I'm not denying anything. I'm hurt." But, he's, but he's been we're like, all in this together. There's a
0: mysterious shadowy figure that we're trying to expose. guys. Also,
1: I fucking love that he's like got this email now in his bio where he's like, if you were a victim of the scam too, please submit your story Dude, to it's this so email. Funny. I'm just like, are you, are you, you're the Messiah now? Like, and then like, I didn't know this,
0: but you told me just before the podcast, he apparently sent Coffeezilla, the person who kind of exposed him for all this, a cease and desist threatening to sue him
1: yeah coffeezilla is the one that did the uh, it was nothing short of quite incredible expose Mm. on k last week anyway k's lawyers or whatever sent him a cease and desist basically saying we will sue you stop talking coffeezilla then proceeds to make a video where he reads the cease and desist on video and then exposes k or another pump and dump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, it stays like these. I it, bloody love the internet. I, I just don't get it though.
0: Like, when ever, when has someone ever been exposed on the internet and then sending the person who exposed them a cease and desist worked? No. That has never worked. It literally never works. It, uh, like, the level of disconnect there yeah. is shocking.
1: It's also just like, bro, read the room. Like, Read the room. Read the room. Like what?
0: Coffee Seal is going to come this out This is like, not your time. <laughs> Guys, I am very sorry. Like, what, Coffee Zillow's is never going to do that. He's never going to come out and apologize when he's literally shown that something happened. I don't know. The outcome there, very, very strange.
1: And doesn't make Kay look any better.
0: No, it doesn't make him look better. And then I think it's also very interesting that off the back of uh, the Save the Kids stuff and so many other influences coming out being like, oh- it's so awful what FaZe K did. I can't believe he did that. I would never. Everyone is turning around being like, bro, you literally promoted a pump and dump cryptocurrency three months ago. Like, people are pointing out Logan Paul did one. People are pointing out that FaZe Banks did one. Like, there's so many. Like, uh, the hypocrisy is hilarious.
1: I feel like it's everyone on the bandwagon and, you know, it's everyone out for themselves until something goes wrong and, like... I don't know. That's why I'm a big fan, like, those in glass houses shouldn't throw stones or whatever that's saying. I'm, like, famous for getting sayings wrong. People People in in glass houses houses shouldn't shouldn't throw 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 stones. stones. That is the correct saying. That is the correct saying. Like, that is so true in influencer culture, I think. That's why I'm, like, really, I don't know. That's why I'm, like, not a big person on the cancel culture thing. I'm just, like, people will make mistakes. And when people have big microphones and large audiences, like, it will happen. Um, no one's really immune to it, especially as the way times change and, you know, what's acceptable at one point in time is no longer acceptable at a later point in time, which is a good thing. People become more educated, shifts, changes, fully. all that sort of thing. But I don't yeah. know, I'm sure I, I'm sure I could say something or do something or you've done or said something in the past that like, like everyone messes up at Everyone times.
0: messes up. It's just fully about like, just go out, own it. Feel like, yes, that was really bad. And and hopefully it's something where you actually have changed as a person yeah. and that's not at all you anymore. Um, and and that that's not gonna actually reflect on who you are at the time. In which case I, I I'm all for people making mistakes because everyone makes mistakes. Um yeah. and being able to move past it. But going out and after trying to scam your viewers and saying I'm also the victim here. I don't think that's the right way to go about That's the thing,
1: like, people like people more when you can accept and admit you're wrong. Yeah, fully. I don't know. Like, I think, like, sometimes if we have disagreements or something, like, sometimes we'll just be like, yeah, you know what, I fucked up. Or, like...
0: I've never fucked up. I'm perfect in every way.
1: Flawless. Honestly, (laughs) this used to be a major tense point for Elliot my relationship when we were were teenagers. Yeah, when we were kids. (laughs) Elliot could not admit that he was wrong Ever.
0: Debating captain, Ever. debating captain was switched on at all times. The sky is blue. Is it blue though?
1: I is remember I would like call my deception? grandma, and I would just be in tears, and I would be like, "He's so annoying! Like he's <laughs> right. so annoying!" All
0: right. So anyway, guys, we've got a lot of interesting topics to cover today that are not about how <laughs> I was an argumentative teenager. Um, and I, I think the next up one that I'm super interested in is, uh, and, and is also just generally very cool, is 100 Thieves x Gucci.
1: 100 Thieves and Gucci. This is sick.
0: Now, there's been a couple of other big brands that collabed, and I forget what it was, but was it Gucci or was it another high-end designer brand that collaborated with... Was it- yeah. I forget, one of the big eSports organizations, though, and they did a watch.
1: Yeah, quickly, we should Google that. I'm going to Google 100 Thieves announced that they are doing a collaboration collection with Gucci. It's their first collaboration. 100 Thieves is obviously really known for their merch and the quality of merch that they do. That's always been their thing.
0: It was Gucci as well. Gucci did a collab wow. with Fnatic and they made a watch.
1: Gucci is, like, in the gaming world. Yeah, I find it so interesting. They do little collections and they're sick.
0: I wonder, like, if for them it's kind of like a no-brainer because they, I'm guessing they don't really advertise on their end the collab quite as much. It's much more the esports org being, like, we're collabing with Gucci. So it's kind of free advertisement for them. But I also do find it really interesting that you have these really high-end luxe designer brands that are kind of willing to pair their brand, their very high-end brand, with an esports org. Mm. But I guess maybe that's a testament to the fact that merchandise, and especially with something like 100 Thieves, has been such a big part of the kind of influencer space and the gaming space and the esports space. And
1: also, like, I think... Um, you know, kind of goes back to this conversation that I feel like we had like a year ago where it was like fashion and like high end is merging more and more with gaming now, especially Mm. with like influencer culture and that sort of thing. I feel like there's a huge shift to this like aspirational element and creators wearing or positioning themselves, positioning gaming as like this high end thing is kind of like a full 180 kind of whiplash elastic band from like a perception where gaming would have been maybe the opposite of that, like a decade ago. And now it's like this real effort to position it at this point. Um, and I think this is maybe just an, an additional expression of that, and maybe they see the purchasing power of gaming as a as a as a genre. Gaming audiences in general are a little bit older. They're known for having a little bit more disposable income. Like maybe these fashion houses see the ability to kind of tap into that as a as a really targeted audience, and they want to make use of it. But um, I'm excited to see the collection. They haven't actually released what any of it looks like yet. But I thought they did. I don't think so.
0: I saw something on my Twitter feed this morning, but maybe oh, that this was... this morning.
1: Maybe I missed it Maybe if it was, like, recent.
0: Maybe that was fake.
1: But I'm saying. keen, and I'm, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's kind of, like, a messed up view to have. Like, I I see it, and I'm just like, I want to support that. Like, I want to get behind that. That's gaming. Yeah. That's 100 Thieves. I really like a couple of the people that I know at 100 Thieves. Yeah. Like, Gucci, cool, whatever. It's like a moment in time. I think that's, like, kind of iconic. I'm like, I want to I get something from the collection. Yeah. And then I'm like... Do I really, though? Like, who am I supporting? Like, I am I they... just supporting Gucci, which is owned by, like, LMVH and, like, When they do LVMH. these collections,
0: do they price them at, like, Gucci price levels? Or yeah. They do. I
1: don't think Gucci would ever discount that. I mm. don't think that would be yeah, in Gucci's,
0: like, thing. If you want to wear Gucci, you have to be making bad financial decisions.
1: Would you buy something from the collection? Yeah, I would. I would
0: as, like, a bit of, like, you know, like, yeah. I feel like there's cool things to be, like, oh, yeah, this was a thing that yeah. happened. Yeah,
1: I agree. Um,
0: which... Yeah. Which honestly, like I remember just on the topic of merch, I thought it was so funny um, when obviously we've talked about the whole Frenemies breakup, the yeah. podcast that kind of fell apart because Ethan and um, Trisha kind of had a falling out. But I thought it was so funny when that breakup happened. Ethan was there. He's like, oh, and we've just ordered all this merch. Like what's going to happen to all this merch? Now I'm stuck with all this product. I was like, bro, are you like- you're you're not this dumb. Like you you know that that merch is going to sell fifty times more yeah. than it ever would have before because that is now like the giant blow up merch drop of frenemies. Yeah. Like that's gonna sell like hotcakes. Yeah. And it, and he talked about it so much. He was like, oh, but the merch that we're now stuck with. And Trisha was like, yeah, I feel bad because I've stuck Ethan with all this merch now that that has no purpose. I'm like, it what are like- you talking about?
1: You're rich. So <laughs> anyway. funny. And it did sell out. Did you see it? Sold out in like a minute. Amazing. Sold out so
0: fast. I love Shocker.
1: I I think this stuff is like great. I'm not a big controversy person myself. I'm not into that. But I mean, it does make for amazing entertainment.
0: But it is fun.
1: <laughs> and, and you look at the internet and you're like, literally, that's what it thrives off. Yeah. Crazy.
0: Also, big news this week was the big fight between Conor McGregor and I forget the other guy's name, which is probably why Conor McGregor got $20 million and the other guy only got one. Did he? Yeah, that actually, I saw that leak out um, apparently today that Conor got 20. Don't get me wrong. The other guy, incredible fighter. I'm sure he will be a giant name. And I'm sure to a lot of people, he is a giant name. Just me personally, I don't super follow him.
1: I feel like fighting and like UFC in particular, Actually, really does feed into internet culture. and like it's interesting because we before we started talking about this topic, we were like, "Oh, is this really like a watch time topic, like talking about the fight? And I know like a lot of you guys that responded online were like, "Oh, talk about the fight, talk about Addison, like whatever. And I'm like, it's not really internet culture, but then again, I'm like, I log on to Twitter. It is. What like, I find everywhere.
0: crazy now is when I was watching the show, like the number of times the announcers were, yeah, they were talking about like, you know, musicians and actors who were there. Yeah. But they were like, oh, yeah, like we got the Nelk boys down here in the audience. Yeah. Like this Addison Ray coming in, like literally the talking about.
1: The guy that, um, the Aussie guy that like did the shooey, he did it with one of their new um, Nelk beers.
0: Yeah. Like the the amount of uh like the fact that now y- influencers, YouTubers, TikTokers, all that kind of thing are literally being mentioned in the same sentence as movie stars and yeah, musicians. Kardashian. Crazy, crazy to think that if I had been at that fight, I would have been on the screen for so long oh There would my have been God. like, My God, Muse Elk is here, bloody, guys. Bloody hell. Muse elk is in the building. Very epic. And then Conor McGregor would have said
1: "Yo, I Muse love elk. You.
0: Yo. My, oh, legs, bon- my leg's pretty broke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't go, it didn't go well. I think um I, I just think it's really interesting how like all entertainment is way more leaning on influencer culture now than they ever have. Yeah. And I think that was really interesting. Like obviously the UFC brought in Addison Ray to do a little bit of broadcasting which was like semi-controversial on Twitter, kind of ridiculous. And, I mean, I think it feeds into what we're going to talk about about cancel culture. But she she did a tweet, and it was a cute tweet, I thought. It was like pretty... Four
0: years in journalism school she was for like, this. Sorry, no, four months. She,
1: yeah, yeah. She's like, I studied for broadcast journalism for three months to get this gig. It was like a swipe at herself, basically, yeah. saying that like she knows she doesn't deserve to be here. Her dream was to do broadcast journalism and now suddenly she's got a gig at the UFC because she's an influencer, not because she actually studied. It was like-
0: And everyone's uh, like, how dare you take this job from people who've actually studied journalism? Don't get me wrong. All power to people who like want that role and want to get that role. But at the end of the day, the, the fact is, it's a show. Like yeah. That's what the UFC is. The UFC is a show. And it is a business and the business functions by creating entertainment that people are interested in watching and therefore want to buy tickets for. And at the and end they of the will
1: day, do anything it takes to get people to exactly I do,
0: like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if there's someone who spent five years doing broadcast journalism and knows how to like do the interview better. If at the end of the day for the UFC, they know that more people are going to be interested in the interview and watch the interview and buy yeah. tickets to watch the interview. If it's Addison Ray doing the interview, that's just the facts. It, yeah. it might suck. And yes, it might not seem totally fair, but at the end of the day, that's it. And if and if that is something that Addison Ray is able to bring to the table, she's allowed. She, that's hers. Yeah. She can do it. Have that success. Go. You go, girl. Kill What's it. What she
1: meant to do, like this does kind of annoy me sometimes. Like the internet just basically like got State so keeping. up her for being, you know, entitled and like joking about the fact that she got this and she didn't deserve it and look at the unemployment rate. And it's like, I get it. But also... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door go to bluenile.com and use promo code listen to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more that's code listen at bluenile.com for $50 off bluenile.com code listen take everyone's got to be able to take a bloody joke like <laughs> take agree. a joke yeah. honestly shouldn't take that job from anyone in broadcast journalism. I promise you she didn't. She got the job because she was going to get the views. And the UFC doesn't care about her experience or lack thereof. They're there for the views. And... I just think, like, Buddy hell, she's a 19-year-old girl. She's gone from, like, being an absolute nobody two years ago, which is totally fine, to being one of the biggest, most well-known names in the world in, like, two years. She's getting offered all the opportunities in the world. What, you want her to say no to them? What's she meant to do? The UFC comes to her and she, they're like, hey, you want to come and, like, do some broadcast journalism for us for a day or two? She's meant to say, oh, no, I actually don't deserve it. Um, you should give that job to say, no, come on. Act like that's you cool wouldn't say yes if you weren't in the same exactly. place. E- Act like you wouldn't say yes. Everyone you would. loves
0: to go out there and, and yeah, criticize that kind I, of thing. I Everyone would do that. Like- right, UFC comes to me and they are, well, actually, I was, <laughs> was going to say, the UF- <laughs> UFC, I was like, NASA comes to me and asks me to design a rocket. I'm like, that sounds cool. I'll do it. Then I was like, no, that's actually a severe safety hazard. I would like- not do that. I'm not experienced. Also,
1: NASA will never come to you and ask you Also, NASA you to would design.
0: not do that. The point being, though, if a cool opportunity comes up, yeah. And it's actually okay, like, you can't this. be like, oh, someone else would have enjoyed that opportunity as well for yeah. as well, though. Therefore, you're not allowed to do it. A That's AAA ridiculous.
1: game developer comes to you and says, hey, we want your help designing a game. What are you going to say? Uh, Hell sorry. Yeah. No, I'm not qualified. Like I have not studied game design and a lot of people have. So you should give that job. To- He's not taking the job from a game designer. The reason they would want him on board is for reasons very different to why they would want an actual game designer.
0: Yeah, I could make a good game. Yeah,
1: I, I think you could make a good game, Thank actually. You. I think, Thank you. Well, okay. I also think that's a no, 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 that lo- was unnecessary.
0: <laughs> we can leave it. We can just leave it at that. I think you would make a good game. Can move on.
1: Uh, I think there's a bit more to it than...
0: No, no, I could definitely Elliot's make a like, good game.
1: I have played some Fortnite in my time. Let, of, me let me tell you.
0: you. I have pointed and clicked on some people in some shooter video games. I have played games. some games. <laughs> Oh boy. But I think we were going to segue from Addison Ray and everyone kind of getting angry about broadcast journalism back into a topic that I feel like comes up so often on this podcast and I hate it. And the whole reason that it keeps coming up is the very fact that we don't want it to come up anymore because it's dumb and it shouldn't be as much of a thing, which is the whole cancel culture. And actually the fact that I think what's interesting today is I think how we're going to frame it and what we're going to talk about is uh, the fact that is cancel culture ever actually successful in cancelling? Because recently we've now seen uh, David Dobrik make his return. Everyone's kind of like, I think yeah. episode one, there was a bit of conversation like, oh, and then now it's kind of like, no, okay, it's he's just back, back in the swing. He's got it's a happening. discovery show. It's uh, shark
1: Week. We're James doing sponsorships.
0: Like all that kind of thing. Like there's a lot of people who are back.
1: I think it's kind of similar to what we said last week, where it's like the internet has a short Memory, and the you know who I'm Alzheimer's thinking treatment. is the only person that I can think of in recent times that has been cancelled and has not come back, Shane Dawson.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I thought you meant Shane. Shane. God, I'm. I like. Don't but be wrong. Also,
1: Shane hasn't made the effort to come back, and I think no. that's a really interesting thing. Is it's like who has been cancelled and they've tried to come back and it hasn't worked. You
0: know why? He just made so much money off that pallet drop, probably, and all yeah. the sponsorships on those doco it was episodes. Chow
1: like, chow. It literally
0: is chow chow, which is why the whole time where he was still around, I was saying, and this <laughs> isn't me.
1: It literally is chow chow. <laughs> I'm not,
0: but like I'm not. I'm again, this is me saying I still he should fully be allowed to make content. But I remember my constant criticism of him was I was so sick of him crying poor. Oh. Every bit of content. Oh my god, I've never seen this much money in my life. Shut up.
1: Shut up. You're
0: getting 20 million views on a video with a honey sponsorship. And then you're putting like another sponsorship at the end of the video. Like you're making so much goddamn money. Shut up. Sorry. Anyway, that's my Shane Dawson rant. Whenever that topic comes up, I need to just.
1: It does bother. I think when YouTubers or people that are making really good money try and take advantage of their audience by saying, like, oh my God, please buy my palette. Like this is my chance for success, blah, blah, blah. It's like. By all
0: means, like don't brag that you're making a bunch of money. But don't cry
1: poor. No, I think especially it hits on me with that when it's like maybe not everyone knows that and maybe we know that more because we know how much you're getting paid per view. We know how much like a sponsorship he would be able to sell for would look like. But like maybe his audience doesn't know that or like Mm. doesn't quite comprehend it. And so the fact he's crying poor... Makes it more manipulative. Like mm. I have to say, like I've obviously got issues with Jeffrey Star. I don't think he's perfect, but I kind of like that Jeffrey Star's like, yes, I this own is my a fuck off pink house. car, <laughs> and like, yes, I own twelve cars, and I live my life in like egregious, uh, just success. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind it, but yeah, I mean, I think I think the cancel culture thing comes back to like, does the creator want to come back? Mm. And I think when they come back, you know, I think people people set do aside get over it. a lot of things, but what I
0: hate, yeah, I think then is because I think people do ultimately recognize that, like, yeah, you're not just going to tell people to go away forever, especially if they're bringing good content. But I do hate that in the moment when the cancelled thing happens, like, we, I just think that that, that should be the takeaway of cancel culture. People know that ultimately the goal is redemption. Ultimately, like people are flawed, people make mistakes. And it's kind of like, if someone's at point A where they've messed up, made a mistake, it, the conversation needs to be more about how to get to point B where you've owned that mistake. Mm. You've, uh, you've atoned for it. You've apologized. You've shown that you've learned from the mistake that you've made and, And then allowed to like go back to doing what you were doing. And I feel like so much, it's just this desire, which like humans are kind of messed up in that way. But like, it's just as a desire for everyone to grab a club and start beating on someone. And then it's like, as soon as they escape the beating, everyone's like, wait, no, we're having fun. Get back. We want to keep hitting you with clubs. That's
1: what I was going to ask you. I'm like, do you think the people that have overcome their canceling have overcome it because they've fully owned it? They're not afraid to talk about it. They've, they've, apologized a million times and the audience has forgiven them? Or has the audience kind of forgotten?
0: Uh, I think it's mostly forgotten over forgiven. Interesting. Like, I think that, and also I just think a lot of people are willing to, if it's an influence that they like, like most people's audiences are willing to realistically kind of give them quite a bit of uh, generosity leeway. Like you look at Dream. Right, biggest Minecraft getter. His most recent videos are still getting tens of millions of views, oh, so and true. even though it's like literally, he never came out and said, "I am sorry for cheating." He had like some really weird excuses, and like it is Comprehend- it, it was it is com- pretty statistically comprehensive, yeah? accepted that it is. More likely that you would buy eighteen lot lottery tickets in a row and win the major prize on all eighteen than it was for him to have what happened happened. He cheated. And It is accepted. Heard anyone do he that. never fully owned it. He kind of had a weird excuse for how it could have happened that didn't really go with him taking responsibility. But at the end of the day, people don't care because people like content. People want to keep watching. Like, and yeah. he's a good Minecraft player, so they're going to enjoy it. So I think that there's two. I do think it sometimes depends on someone's audience. Um, and I do think that people will, like, you, you can lose, maybe there's like 10% of your audience that will actually, actually care. <laughs> but a lot of the time, here's the thing, like 10% of your existing audience might be like, I don't like what they did. I'm not going to watch them and support them anymore and leave. But from the general conversation that's generated by whatever this drama is, you're introducing your content to a huge new audience of people who are like, oh, who's, Blah, blah. Didn't know about them before. I'm going to go watch them. Oh my bro, these videos are sick. Mm. And then they watch through all of David Dobrik's content. They're like, my God, this guy actually makes objectively entertaining content.
1: I think there's also an element where, you know, it's like what we touched on earlier. Like, whether you want to admit it or not, like people love the controversy. They Mm. love like, I, I think people like a function of the internet and a function of entertainment being this kind of voyeuristic look into people's lives that they might not live or might not want to live even, but they still find it fascinating. Like I'm even thinking like a lot of times people might, might not agree. They might say like, Hey, this person's really bad. They should be canceled, but they want to watch still. Mm. They want to watch. It's like a train wreck. You know, you want to keep tuning in. So it's like, they might be canceled, but what does that mean? Like, Canceled doesn't necessarily mean no one's going to watch your content. Mm. If anything, I feel like, you know, (laughs) Logan's Logan's popularity, uh, has he gotten more viewership since when he came back from his incident? Like
0: Definitely his overall career has gone up.
1: Yeah, his career has gone up, but I feel like at the height of the incident, people were talking about him more than ever.
0: Mm, it wasn't
1: yeah. like, oh, you're canceled, we're not talking about you anymore.
0: So, for those of you wondering how to become the next big social media influencer, just do some really dodgy stuff and that'll uh, that'll really that'll boost you up in the charts. It's chance.
1: kind of sad, but like it is kind of true. Yeah. I think the most
0: just w- enough controversy many, that everyone yeah. talks about it, but you can yeah. still come back from it.
1: Yeah, I don't suggest that as a method, but I do <laughs> think like there's an element of it where it's like
0: there can be benefits to being cancelled. It's entertainment. It is it's entertainment. entertainment.
1: and It's entertainment and it's real people's lives, which is scary, but Very. the reality of it all.
0: All right. Well, to round out the episode, we're going to be answering two community submitted questions that we've had come in, which I believe Grace is going to read out now. And
1: then we- <laughs> Sorry, I just opened the question thing. And the first question I see is, after watching some of his challenge videos, is Musalk mentally okay?
0: No. Not for years now. (laughs) Definitely not the last year. (laughs) My God.
1: Oh, dear. Okay, here's a question I think is interesting. Was starting The Boys an intimidating idea after having the Click Channel end? So for those of you that don't know, we we did the Click Channel. I feel like most people that listen to this know it was super successful. We had a bunch of our talent all in a big house in Sydney. Mm. It was like the fastest growing YouTube channel in 2018. It was amazing. Incredible experience. It ended like what, a year and a half ago now? Yeah. And then about a year ago, we started a new channel called The Boys with five of our other guys that we work with. They're like the five biggest VR channels in the world. They're such great guys to work with. And I think that's a really interesting question because – I don't think it was intimidating. I think, if anything, I was really excited about it. I I was admittedly scared, and I was sad Mm. when the Click Channel ended, like, to be real. I was really sad. It was an amazing time of our lives. Like, I felt as though it added so much... I, I, like I felt like it was quite defining for us in terms yeah, of what we were fun. capable of. And I was worried that if we started something again or tried to do it again, maybe it wouldn't work. Maybe we just got lucky yeah. and whatever. So so that bit for sure. But I feel as though those feelings were more around when the Click Channel was ending. I think what was really exciting about the boys and starting the boys after we ended the Click Channel was I also felt like we learnt so much. Yeah, there were like,
0: really, really good learnings.
1: Huge learnings from doing the Click Channel that I was like, oh my God, it's like we get the opportunity to do this group thing again with all of this extra, like a cheat code as to how to do it.
0: Yeah. And I also think very just like people dependent. And it gives me it. bit like, and I, yeah. I say this to people all the time, you look at almost every single group channel across the internet so few make it more than a year or two. Yeah. Because it's very, very easy. And I do think this is largely what happened with Click for just like a slightly negative mindset among one or two people to develop that then it really does spread like a cancer. Like one person's not motivated in a shoot because of whatever reason, maybe they just had a bad week or maybe they're not happy with someone else or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden for everyone at the shoot, that shoot is suddenly not as fun, not a good vibe. And then that means next time it comes around to do a shoot, everyone's like, oh, the last shoot wasn't fun. And then it kind of create can create these like spirals out yeah, of control yeah, yeah. with mindset. I think that with the boys we, uh, and with what we came out of with Click, had a lot of really good learnings as to how to um, kind of, avoid those situations happening. Yeah. And then also I think it was just good that the boys had already been recording together for a while. When most of the click stuff came together, that was kind of the first time any of us had really recorded that much as a group. Yeah. Um, Whereas the boys, I think already have a really good dynamic. They know that they all vibe off each other. They already know, um, you know, how to deal with when one person's in a certain mood. Mm. And I think that that was, that's definitely really helpful too, but you're right. No, to answer the question, definitely a little bit intimidating, but Also exciting. And if something isn't scary, then it's probably not worth doing.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think I love all those guys so much. They're so great. All of them are also um, really, like, very mature about what they want to achieve in their careers. Like, they're so fun. They, They genuinely love what they do. But they're also like, this is our job. And they know it's a job and they they take the responsibility that comes with that, I think. And so things still happen, things don't run to schedule or they do run to schedule or whatever. Yeah. Like that's just creators, that's life. But um, But vibe. I think for the most part, all of them are extremely motivated about what they're aiming yeah. for and what they're achieving and they all have like this laser focus on what they know they're capable of and they're prepared to put in the work to get there. And I think that's why... I love working with them. Um, I think they're just a great group of guys. And then I think um, also, like, internally, the team working on the boys is really, really strong. Like, Hayden, who's our lead editor on the boys, and really, like, an editor isn't enough of a title to you know, give him because Producer he does so much. Producer
0: content man.
1: But I think he's also like extremely passionate about the brand. Yeah. Really gets Everyone it. just loves like, it. Like yeah. everyone, everyone's everyone's excited to work on it all the time. Yep. And I think that's the key. Um, so I, I love it. It's, it's an absolute highlight. Mm. Um, and then the last question, Elliot, is what was your biggest fight ever? And did being siblings help solve it? So I don't know, like I was I'm,
0: like, have you got something in mind? Here? I, I actually, I actually don't think.
1: have something in mind for like our me biggest. coming
0: into your room as a <laughs> fourteen-year-old boy, I don't know. Like. I don't.
1: Yeah, I don't have something in mind for our biggest fight ever, which is probably a good thing. Um, I mean, we have disagreements, but I would say, considering the fact we see, uh, you know, I think as adults, our sibling relationship is like mm. quite unusual. Um, like we're very close. You know, Elliot knows me better than anyone probably, and we work together a lot. Like for a lot of people, I think that could cause more tension. Like sometimes when I say to people, "Like oh yeah, I work with my brother," people are like, "Oh my god." Yeah. But I actually feel like being no, siblings really helps us work together. And
0: I also, but I would say the biggest thing beyond being siblings that helps not have conflict is I think we both have very different skill sets, and I think we both deeply respect the other person's skill yeah. set. Um, in terms of like what it brings to whatever the discussion is, if it's like work or business or whatever, you know, like if it comes to, you know, ideation for YouTube and creative stuff, that's normally more in my ballpark. And then in yeah. terms of operating a business and actually doing businessy proper adult things that tends to be more in Grace's ballpark. Yeah. So it it really does help kind of, and I think when we do have a disagreement, sometimes we go back and forth on it, which is fine. Um, but normally I think there's enough yeah mutual respect there. that
1: Yeah, I think we both have different skill sets, but we both know we need each other to make our overall goals happen. Yeah. So generally if we have a disagreement, um, well, firstly, I would say we don't disagree that often because if we are unsure on something or we like maybe don't understand, if it's something that's like creative or to do with like talent or um, something like that, if Elliot has a really strong opinion, I'll generally go with that because I I trust and I respect that like he knows more about that than me. Whereas I think if I feel really strongly about something on like a process side or a people management side or whatever, like he'll generally agree with me. Yeah. And, um, but I think on the whole being siblings, I, I think is a good thing because ultimately at the end of the day, I have no fear or underlying feeling or anything that Elliot's ever going to try and like screw me over or get one up on me or whatever. Cause it's like at the end of the day,
0: it's what she thinks
1: <laughs> at the end of the day, like we're going to be siblings. Like we're, we're going to be family for the rest of our lives, like Stuck. probably longer than what click will be, whatever click is. So at the end of the day, obviously I want Elliot to have a good life. I want him to be happy. I think he wants the same for me. So like generally if we have a disagreement about like work or whatever, yeah, We can get over it pretty quickly because it's like, well, what are we going to do? Like,
0: not be brother and sister. (laughs) Not be brother and
1: sister. Like, what are we going to never speak to each other again? Like, that's a little unrealistic. Definitely. (laughs) So it's just like, may as well get over it. And I think both of us, like, aren't super conflict people. I think more so now we can, like, see the forest for the trees and be like, I'd rather be on good terms than bad terms. So definitely.
0: All righty. Well. Thank you, everybody, for coming to the episode today. We hope you enjoyed. If you have anything you want us to tackle next week or any questions, let us us know. Leave a comment or join our Instagram page and then send it to us there. Thank you for watching and we'll see See you you in the next week. week. Bye-bye.